right, all right. Welcome to another edition of the Style Guide Podcast. My name is Brad Frost. I'm Anna Debenham. And today we are extremely thrilled to have Ian Feather of Lonely Planet with us. Uh, Ian, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. We're we're absolutely uh, just really, really excited to, to have you on. You've been doing some amazing work with uh, your company's Style Guide, and we really want to dive into all the great stuff you've been doing to sort of make what you're even calling a maintainable style guide. So so before we sort of dive into that, though, do you want to just sort of back up and, and just let us know, you know, where you're working, what your role is there, and sort of what, what you're up to? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah, um, I work at Lonely Planet, and uh, we have offices in um, London, Melbourne, and Nashville. And uh, I'm the client-side tech lead there, which means I kind of take credit for everyone else's work as much as possible. Um, <laughs> and essentially, I kind of like oversee some of the major decisions that take place. Um, and a lot of my work is spent kind of um, looking at our developer workflow and figuring out where the bottlenecks are and trying to make that better, which is kind of where the style guide came from in the first place. So, so you sort of are, are sitting above, sort of you have this bird's eye view of sort of the entire development workflow. And in that role, you, you realize that a style guide would sort of help unify efforts and stuff. Or could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so we have a lot of similar pages which share a lot of um, the same components. And historically, we have never done a good job of sharing them. So we wanted to. When we we've been working on a rebuild for like for about three years, and we wanted to make sure that we have kind of a single place for these these components, which we can then share across multiple places. And the style guide came out of the back of that because once we had a single place for these components, um, we could visualize them somewhere else. But really, the yeah the the main driving force behind it was just for us to be able to share things and build pages faster. And I think we've accomplished that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, sort of looking at, so looking at your, your style guide, it, it definitely looks like, like you've accomplished something. It's really rich and robust and, and really covers uh, a lot of different uh, sort of aspects. So, so I guess yours is, is very, we'll say UI based and sort of JavaScript based what are what are the other sort of disciplines that that sort of make use of the style guide? Do do sort of UI designers, UX designers, visual designers, business partners? Do those people sort of touch this or or make use of it, or or just uh, is it mostly just a developer resource? It started out as a developer resource. Um, my goal was that designers would be able to make changes within it um, and distribute those across the sites. And that happens to some extent. So we have some designers who are quite happy to use Git and commit um, small like visual changes such as changing paddings on buttons, margins, that kind of thing, um, mm. maybe working with the type. And that's really useful because it means that we can concentrate on uh, large problems and let those things take care of themselves. So it does work in that respect. Um, UX don't really have too much of an impact on it because it doesn't really, it doesn't really come into that too much. Um, but it is definitely used by um, product managers to discuss 
how things should look, um, the state of things, the progress of things. And we also we use it with our external partners. So we have um, an, an India website, a Chinese website, a couple of other websites, and they um, not all integrate with Roseho. India does, but they all look at it as a, um, a next step for them to integrate with it. So it's used as so- a sort of communication tool, I guess. So what I think is really interesting about your style guide is um, uh, you call it a, a living style guide. And yeah, I guess maybe could you talk a little bit about what makes it living? Sure. Um, I guess that what makes it living is that it doesn't go out of date. Um, we, we've, yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't know. So like we've... I've made two style guides before, before this one at Lonely Planet, both of which went out of date very rapidly and were were never used ever again. You know, this one doesn't mm. go out of date. Um, and it means we don't need to actually maintain it. We don't have to have a team working on it to keep it up to date. It just stays it stays mirroring the production environment. Um, which, and how does it yeah. how does it achieve that? Uh, it achieves it by we abstracted out all the components and the dependencies of these components into a shared component library called Rizzo. And Mm -hmm. each application then talks to this component layer to retrieve its components, which means that the applications are just made up of data sets, really, and data data depictions of what the the final thing might look like. And then because we have that relationship, we can just add an extra application, which in our case is a style guide, um, and that application, rather than calling maybe a left nav and some cards and some text, it calls every single component multiple, multiple times and renders them into a different view. Um, and we we put that style guide application inside Rizzo, but it could be anywhere else. It's just for convenience that we have it in the same place as the components. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how it how it stays in tune. Yeah. So so you've essentially sort of. You've written this this library and then sort of wrote uh, in, in an API for it, and basically the the production environment eats that API and basically sucks in all the all the necessary components. Yeah, yeah, and so does a style guide. Yeah, oh, and I guess it so also cool. keeps the design very separate from the content. Yeah, absolutely, um, and yeah, that's that's a really useful tool. Certainly, um, I think that's the main benefit for our designers that they can actually see, they can actually make these changes within the style guide and know that that's how it will look everywhere. They don't have to go into mm-hmm. each application and then look at it um, as a as a whole page. It can just be a unit. That's fantastic. So, at sort of building upon that, one of the things I get a lot whenever I start talking about you know, building atoms and molecules and organisms, these, these sort of components, right? What you, what you guys call components. Yeah. Um, and you have a design team and, uh, a, a lot of people are sort of confused by the, the factor or they don't know how this workflow looks where, cause obviously the data you put inside your card component, uh, very much influences, you know, how it's designed, how it's how it's constructed. Um, so, how how does that workflow look like at, at Lonely Planet? Like, how do you, you know, are you designing these components in abstraction, uh, you know, in the abstract, and then sort of sucking them in, you know, to to the environment to see how they look and sort of go back and forth, or or how does that design process look to to actually build and design these components? 
Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have a really great answer for it. Um, <laughs> we, I, no, I'm not sure we we have a particular workflow that we stick to. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one. So our workflow would be that um, we still use um, Sketch or Photoshop marks to to mm-hmm. well, designers will use that. Um, we'll quickly get something into the style guide afterwards, and then because that's the fastest way for us to get kind of something into the browser. Um, and then we're a very small team, so we kind of sit, I sit next to our lead designer, um, and we kind of work back and forth in the in the style guide sometimes. Um, but yeah, in terms of like how we combine components to make large components, I think because we've established this um, this kind of component componentization mechanism, the designers have a, a potentially have this new new way of thinking about how to build up the page, um, which makes it easier for us because we already know these things exist in code um, and hopefully makes it easier for them because they don't have to re- you know, reinvent the wheel each time. Um, so I think it helps um, as a whole to think of things, you know, the atoms, molecules, organisms, um, but in terms of how our workflow specifically deals with that, I don't think we've come up with a perfect solution or anything. So, so in Sketch or Photoshop, are are the designers building sort of full comps, full layouts, or are they sort of more focused on on the individual components? Um, right now, I would say that we have the majority of the components are are fully fledged in code, mm-hmm. and now um, we'll mostly designers will come up with kind of rough representations of where things might live, how things might lay out, um, without going into too much detail because there's no longer really a need to um, do that work up front, and we can just tweak it in the browser afterwards. Yeah, so so sort of you're using these static tools as a way to establish a, a quick layout, a quick look and feel, a quick sort of solution, and then you sort of roll that into the, it sounds like the style guide first, and then sort of, you know, sort of iterate on it with the yeah. browser. Yeah, and I think like that's a matter of convenience. I think that our designers are still the fastest way for them to lay out things is currently Sketch or Photoshop because that's where they mm-hmm. feel most comfortable. Um, likely that will change. Hopefully that will change and we can create tools perhaps within Rizzo or using third-party tools which can make it even easier for them to do that in the browser. But at the moment, that's where we are. You, you talked a little bit about um, a perfect solution. What, what do you see as being a perfect solution? Because it sounds like to me you've already got it. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, <laughs> um, uh, that's a good question. I wrote a little article about what we would change about Rizzo um, recently, which addressed a couple of these things. I think the yeah, it's an interesting one. The main one, right from a, they're mostly from a technical perspective. There are things that we would change, um, mm-hmm. such as we would use like a agnostic templating language, so we could use Rizzo in lots of different applications. At the moment, we. It's kind of tightly coupled to Ruby, um, but we have to. Mm. We then have to write um, kind of little adapters or little parsers which can make it work across different stacks. But there are a few things we would do differently in that respect. Um, and the, the the big one I would say is um, how we go about pushing style updates out across our whole suite of apps. At the moment, it's when we push something to Rizzo, um, it's it's deployed and it's accessible by all the apps and they have to then pull in those changes, um, which mm. usually happens fairly quickly because we each application is being worked on constantly and deployed quite often. So 
usually things stay up to date pretty fast. But it still can become mature because we have these other applications um, which may not be used so often and we would then have to go around and you know update each of them and deploy them individually and manually. And I think a next step would be to somehow automate that, um, which mm. isn't too hard like in a sort of um, simple manner, you know, the idea of having something which maybe on post-deploy deploys them all. But to do it in a very safe way with you know visual regression testing or some kind of mechanism to ensure that you're not just hot pushing you know crazy changes out um that's <laughs> the part that i think needs to you know is interesting and i'll it'll be interesting to see how that proceeds from here i know that the gov uk yeah. do that and they're yeah. very smart and presumably have a great solution so i'm kind of interested to see how they do it that is fascinating it's it's this sort of uh we'll say next level stuff that uh <laughs> Uh, it's just incredible to hear that, you know, it sounds like your culture already is fully bought into this idea of style guide. It's, it's, it sounds like it's baked right there in the front of your process. And as a result, you're just able to sort of iterate and sort of, yeah, try to streamline things and sort of update the, the technology. It was also really interesting to hear that you're, that you were talking about, uh, moving towards uh, sort of a more agnostic uh, templating language. And that's sort of something I've been struggling with as well. Um, because on one, on one hand, everyone's trying to accomplish what, what you've already accomplished, which is building this, this really solid bridge between the style guide and the production environment. But at the same time, you know, our, our UIs are going to more places uh, and, and maybe you know, aren't just the, the same code base over and over again. Uh, you know, so so it sounds like you're sort of trying to take a step back and and sort of create a style guy, create a component library that's that's maybe not just for your website. Or is is that safe to say, or is or is is it? I think am it, I yeah. Off there? I don't think you're off. Um, I think like that is the ideal. I I don't think that we would. Um, move it to other platforms at the moment it would just be the web mm. but it would certainly be the web in different stacks you know whether it be node whether it be ruby uh, whatever okay. it may be um, okay. so at the moment we have like like i called this thing a component api but i think that kind of misled in some ways because an api we tend to think of being over the network you know by http um, and that would be kind of somewhat simpler in some senses because then you don't have to worry about what technology stack you're on um, and that's how we integrate rizzo with our old Java apps, but that brings with it its whole a whole suite of further problems like caching and things like that. Um, mm. But had we had we done Rizzo again, and I think we would approach this as a primary concern of how we do um, you know fit it into multiple places. I, I think it, like um, cross platform is amazing. It's stuff that um, the Salesforce team have worked on with moving things between iOS and Android and the web. Is really impressive, um, yeah. But but we don't currently have that connection. We do have a, a native app team, but we don't work closely enough with them to um, to yet sort of bridge that gap. Uh, interesting, yeah. And whenever we were talking to Gina, it, it, 
there are sort of some similarities, things like, you know, the swatches and things like that. Some things that can be ported over nicely, but then other things that sort of require their own unique considerations for, for the platform. But, um, but yeah, but even just, even just having things, uh, some things on Ruby, some things on Node, and uh, there's tons of organizations that are sort of the same way where it's, it's, you know, some things or a microsite or one part of the flow or a checkout or whatever uh, might be sitting on a different tech stack than, than another part. But, but again, like from, from a user standpoint, that's, and that's the whole appeal of these style guys is that your users see you as one brand, as, as, you know, one entity, uh, they don't care, <laughs> you know, yeah. that this is running Node or oh, this team's in Nashville versus London or whatever. They they see you as a as one unit, and that's that's what's been the sort of driving force. So I think it's really interesting that that you brought that up about you know how do you create the actual library that could be deployed out to whatever whatever tech stacks you might be playing around with. Yeah, and I think to to add to that, um, it, part part of this is. Part of our user base is the developers for the style guide, and if they're building it on a stack which um, we don't really easily support, it's much more likely that they will then veer away from the styles that we have um, because it just becomes too difficult, or you know perhaps they make um, different changes, and then that finally affects the end user because things stop becoming consistent. Um, so it, it kind of all loops back into itself, I think. Mm. Do you do any sort of uh, device testing with the style guide to help with your QA? Uh, well, no. Um, we, d- I mean, we do in a very ad hoc way. Um, we don't have QA teams at Lonely Planet. Um, we just we practice continuous delivery, so we we have a feedback loop um, which works in production. Um, mm-hmm. But but device testing is something that we want to level up on. Um, and you know, bring, make more of a first-class citizen, and and StarGuard's a perfect place to do that. You know. Yeah, I'd I'd reckon that being able to really hone in on a on a specific component and sort of see, you know, whether it's performance or it's just you know, the layout's broken or something. Uh, that that for me in my own workflow has been has been awesome to just be mm-hmm. able to get in there and. And fired up on you know sixteen different devices and yeah. say okay well this is the thing that's causing the issues but um uh but I think what's so cool about how you guys have set this up is is because it is again this bridged sort of thing it's not an abstract representation and whenever you put it into production it's going to be totally different it's it it literally is all the same thing so that that testing that device testing could be more true. So I think that that should be interesting I hope for you as yeah. you sort of get into that a little bit more. I think like the only principle really behind Rizzo is that it's the single source of truth for a component. <laughs> um, and so once you have that like all these other avenues become available to you like like using visual regression testing on a component in a star guide you know is going to be the same as a component on the website and same with device testing for a, a component. Um, yeah, it's cool. Is there a tool that you use for visual regression testing? Uh, there, I've used a few and to um, differing degrees of um, success. There is a tool called SiteEffect, um, SiteEffect.io, uh-huh. which is still in development, but which is really exciting, I think, for visual regression. Um, so is that I'm, I'm uh, hoping that's soon. 
It's uh, browser-based, yeah. But it doesn't yeah. do diffing in the same way that the kind of current ones do with um, PNG um, diffing. It's really clever, um, but it's still in kind of development. But I did get a little sneak preview, and it, yeah, I was very impressed. Ooh, I want to give yeah. that a go. Sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> I just do it by eye, which probably isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, uh, well, I, I want to hear actually a little bit more. Uh, so you're talking about, you know, obviously the benefits to your, your development workflow are are huge. Um, have you found it to be really important as far as sort of moving the the business forward and and do those sort of business people really understand and appreciate sort of what you all have set up and then also sort of looping back to those sort of other what is it locales or other sort of things that maybe aren't wired into to Rizzo but but sort of make use of it as a as a reference i i guess just like sort of taking a step back and sort of away from the the technology stack and and sort of development workflow like how have you seen since you've set this up you know organizationally uh you know how what successes have you seen what what sort of gains have you seen and and do people really appreciate it that's a good question do people appreciate it uh, i think so <laughs> uh, i hope oh, we so. do <laughs> uh yeah it's sometimes yeah, it, it it sometimes gets to the point where you do hear Rizzo being mentioned like in multiple places around the office, which is kind of cool. Um, so I think it has become a communications tool. Sometimes I worry what I've created and because <laughs> 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 everyone just suddenly goes, "Oh yeah, Rizzo will sort that out. Don't worry about that. Rizzo can fix that." And I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think it's so in one res- so has it helped the business? Um, I think it's helped the website mature, which ultimately helps the business. I think it's definitely helped with recruitment because we have um, we have heard like we have had people apply who've who've known about Rizzo, who've known about the style guide, and that's been a really nice thing. Um, mm. And so, and because we are trying to grow teams in America, this is you know recruitment has kind of been a big deal for us. Um, yeah, I I, don't, I can't think of like there are no sort of empirical sort of ways of me saying that this has been successful, but yeah. <clears throat> I think sort of broadly people would would agree that um, it has been beneficial for our site. Um, I think yeah, in terms of these <clears throat> sort of partner sites that we have, time will tell on that. I think it will be it will be a great thing if they can integrate it. It's certainly a challenge because these aren't. Um, we don't have like localization on Learning Planet, so we kind of partner with um, third-party companies to provide um, different language support. <clears throat> it's basically different sites, but they use Learning Planet's brand and image, and that's a reflection of Learning Planet. And some of these sites look pretty bad. It's fair to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is but, an impact but you on are, brand. Yeah, Sorry. but but you are providing them a, a language, uh, you know, so you're not sort of leaving them totally to their own devices. You know, this, this style guide that, that you've created yeah, this, becomes yeah. a way for them to at least get close. You know, they're not going to be a hundred percent there, but, but uh, I've seen it happen, you know, millions of times whenever you don't have uh, a, a reference, uh, you know, a sort of a design system like this already in place, you know, and then it just is totally yeah. different. I, yeah, no, that's definitely true. I mean, before this, 
they were further away for sure. Um, the problem is that we that our design iterates quite fast, and like if these third party companies put a significant amount of energy and money into updating their site to look like ours, and then we then change the design altogether. That's not it's not a brilliant experience for for either either of us. Um, so if if they can link directly into the start into Rizzo, we no longer have that problem because they're always going to be in sync. Yeah. So along those lines, how how do you you have three offices? You have uh, again more third parties sort of floating around out there. How do you communicate these changes uh, to to keep everyone in sync? You were saying that you're sitting next to designers in your own office, but are there other people sort of that need updated whenever changes get made? Is it having access to the repository or is there like a newsletter or you send an email out that says, hey, just FYI, we've updated this this hex value or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we don't, we, we don't really worry about it because we just let them, they'll get it automatically anyway. Um, mm. So we don't, unless we've um, pushed that breaking change, which does happen. Um, we will then have to inform all the apps that, like, you know, you're going to have to update this because there are certain things to do with perhaps the scaffolding of the page which we can't turn into a component, um, and those things will break. So then, of course, we have to like go through the whole rigmarole of updating all the other, the other apps, and that can be a pain. Um, but yeah, we don't have we don't have a, a mechanism where we have to go and inform people, uh, and I think that's partially why Rizzo was born in the sense that we, we don't have the manpower to kind of do that either. We're a small team. Um, I think we've averaged, like, since the time I've been there, three front-end developers. Um, it's probably been like the average amount we've had. Um, so we would never have had time to kind of go back and update all the apps once we make one change, one place. Right. So Rizzo is kind of the facilitator for that. Um, and then that we didn't it, really have to. Was it quite an investment of time to set up in the first place? It wasn't so bad, actually. Um, we... <laughs> We introduced this thing called Dev Days, which is uh, every other Friday, developers can work on whatever they like as long as it in some way benefits Lonely Planet. Um, mm. And like in the first sort of two or three, I built the frameworks for Rizzo, and then um, the other two developers at the time used it. Like, kind of uh, got a bit excited about it and <laughs> started started building features on top of it and on top of it, and it. It just happened really organically, and it got to a sort of tipping point, which didn't take very long, where uh, it was much faster to build a component directly into Rizzo than it was to build it into another application. And then it was, then we were sold, basically. Then it was okay. Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. And it's open source, isn't it? It's open source in the sense that um, anyone can go and look at it and dig into it and read it. It's not open source in the sense you can just plug it into your site. And it won't work yeah. like that. I, I think that like I have toyed with the idea of trying to make that, but it's it's a bit too opinionated and it really does depend on your your environment and your sort of your structure of your project and your organization. So I think it's a yeah, it's a bit of a leap too far. Yeah. Yeah, that's why with, with with Pattern Lab we've been really struggling with that. Uh just because there is just so many different backend environments and, and setups and workflows and all of that and it's you know, to ask a, a very agnostic tool, or, or like you're even saying, you know, if you were to create this as a as a project for other people to use, you really have to roll up your sleeves and get in there and, and hack it away. 
in order to to sort of get it to work uh, with your environment. But sort of coming back to a lot of those things, what what you were saying about sort of moving to a more agnostic templating language, just even doing some stuff like that, I think can can maybe go a long way to to make it a little more portable. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully. Uh, some other people figure this problem out as well. I, I guess when, <laughs> you know, like, the, I, I hear... You do it. Yeah, hear, yeah, you do it. You, you put this whole thing together in, like, three Fridays, so just freaking do it. <laughs> True, sorry. No, I mean, I, yeah, I, I hear about all these, these companies who have kind of taken some, something from Rizzo um, and built their own version, and there, there, there must be some, you know, if we can sort of reap those back in there must be some way of finding common patterns between which i don't know can help us figure this out but yeah i think it's really specific yeah um we're almost out of time but there's a couple really cool little i I don't want to say easter eggs but these really cool features with it within rizzo uh one in your color palette you have this nice little find a closest color so it looks like you could just enter in a hex value and it will sort of filter out and and give you the closest color that's in the style guide that's freaking amazing (laughs) yeah that's really cool yeah i didn't do that um that was (laughs) amazing that was one of our uh developers at, at work remy um he did that on on one of the dev days, and yeah, that's a really cool feature. Really nice. Yeah. And then and then there's this other thing up towards the top, uh, this sort of performance monitoring. Uh, and and I know that this isn't necessarily directly related to the style guide, but it it is. Uh, well, it sort of is, but it's it's all sort of living under one roof. Can you talk about that real quick and sort yeah. of performance? And and it looks like you have charts and graphs and all sorts of good stuff. Yeah, uh, it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, we, like, we we took performance very seriously at the start of the project, and for so many like organizational reasons, it, it became less of a priority as it continued. And I was aware that the asset sizes had spiraled a little bit out of control, and we weren't just really aware how big they were. Um, so I, I wrote a few scripts to scrape the the um, the assets from the different applications, and then. Um, create these stats and these sizes and because we had developers working and kind of um, living essentially in Rizzo you know that was their kind of area of work it made sense to just add that into Rizzo Um, and so we we chart kind of over time the the size of the different JavaScript and CSS stuff and it would be nice to you know make that bigger and cover things like images and stuff Um, but that's again, it's just something that will happen, I guess, on dev days organically whenever we have time. That's freaking awesome! Yeah, just making that stuff visual, like, yeah, the the visual nature of it is is what's really striking to me, right? Red for this is going in the wrong direction, yeah. green for going in the right direction, <laughs> and, and that stuff that stuff matters with something as as invisible as as performance. You know, you really need to sort of hit people over the head with it and, and visualize it in order for people to, to treat it as a priority. So that is just so cool. Uh, Thanks. Really, Thank you. Really yeah. 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 I like that section. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I think unfortunately we're out of time. I mean, we could probably talk literally all day about this uh, and, I, and I want to, <laughs> but for the sake of time, uh, I think we'll have to wrap up, but seriously, uh, thank you so much for for coming on the show and and yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's just I mean, like my jaw's been on the floor ever since <laughs> I, this f- 
first came across my screen. And, and so it's really cool that, uh, one, you guys made it and, and two, it's, it's out there for the world to see. So, th- so thank you for, for putting that out there, uh, for all of us to benefit from. And, and your blog posts as well have been really, really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh, geez. Keep that up. Keep that up. It was really, really cool. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, cool. Well, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate you being on the show and thanks everybody for for tuning in and uh, we'll have a new episode of the Style Guide podcast for you later on. Thanks for listening. All right, thank you.